Welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we share firsthand stories of real-world rescues. I'm Grant, and today our guest is Michael Dozier. Welcome, Michael. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and about the department that you were with when uh, this occurred. Uh, I was with uh, Loris Volunteer Fire Department at the time. It's a uh, small town, uh, northeastern South Carolina, same county that... Myrtle Beach is in, which is what most people would associate it with, uh, a town of about 2,500 people. Uh, pretty busy uh, little volunteer firehouse for the area. It does about 1,200 runs a year. Uh, sees a, a fair amount of fire duty, a fair amount of pretty good vehicle accidents, things of such. And then uh, I'm a paid fireman, uh, captain with Horry County Fire Rescue, which is the same county that uh, that Myrtle Beach is in, and uh, I volunteer, a paid captain out of uh, our Sockety Firehouse, which is just outside of Myrtle Beach. Uh, we actually broke border the city, uh, which is our our busiest firehouse. Nice. So, um, what did you guys? What do you guys usually get response-wise on uh, fires with uh, with the the volunteer? Uh, department that you got this grab with uh so it's kind of hit and miss um would it be a volunteer fire, fire department there is some uh, some automatic mutual aid um if it's a fire in our district uh, at the time we were getting uh a career station from Horry county and uh whatever the depending on where it was in our district the next closest volunteer station uh, would Horry county be in combination so that they had several volunteer stations right around of horses district so it, it'd be a little hit and miss sometimes because uh none of the volunteer stations were ever manned in that area so you you may get you know an engine coming from one of those volunteer houses with three guys on it or it might be a guy running suicide it might be a guy that's only a driver operator so it was kind of hit and miss but uh the city itself had a pretty good response we only had 25 volunteers but for for fires, we would get a pretty good turnout. So usually manpower wasn't, uh, you know, from a nationwide standard, which would probably hurt some people's feelings. It wasn't, wasn't very good. But for our area, the manpower generally was pretty average. We generally had enough help on scene to kind of get things done. All right. So take us back to September 2013 and uh, talk about this run that you had. Yeah. Uh, September, I was off shift. Um, I was actually a training officer with Horry County at the time. So I was on day work uh, during the week running recruit schools and uh, I was off shift. I think it was Saturday night, uh, about eight, nine o'clock at night. It was definitely after dark. Um, fire came in, fire with entrapment. It was in Horry County's district in, in one of our paid districts actually that uh, borders the city's district. And it's a rural area. So the only thing that got pulled from for my department, for my volunteer department, was a tanker um, for water supply because it was a rural area. So I was at home. I left home. Drove. 
only stayed about a mile away uh, at the time and uh, got to the firehouse in a minute or two to get there, I guess. And the tanker was just pulling out of the station. Uh, we had had a couple of guys that just happened to be staffing the station that evening. So uh, got on the tanker, there was three of us on it and started it that way. The initial report was uh, entrapment. Um, I don't know, we were about halfway there. They upgraded it to double entrapment. Uh, with two people. Uh, the call actually got called in. One of one of my fellow training officers lived in the area that was a paid guy for Horry County. And uh, he drove up on the house burning. Um, it was a mobile home, good smoke condition coming out of it. There was a guy in the front yard. He knew him, uh, saying that his mother was trapped. Uh, my, my buddy that called it in, he didn't have any gear or anything with him they attempted to make entry smoke condition was too bad couldn't get inside so the sun ended up pushing on into the smoke disappeared you know quit wasn't able to hear him coughing anymore and that's when he upgraded it to the double entrapment so he had the report that the mother was trapped and then uh the training officer was able to confirm he watched the the other male go inside and uh become overcome with the smoke so that that was all right around the time we were going in route. So we were about 10 miles away, 10, 11 miles away. So we started that way. Um, obviously we, we operated pretty well with, uh, with, the, with Horry County at the time. And, and me and the other two guys that were on the tank with me were all paid members of Horry County Fire Rescue as well. So obviously we kind of knew how they operated because we ran with them. Uh, so we drove all the way there. Um, got on scene. Uh, the first engine went on scene. It was our engine, or Horry County's engine 15. Got on scene, went on scene with, the, with a working fire in a mobile home. I can't remember exactly what their initial report was. I think it was around 50% involved was, was their initial report, but it was definitely a heavy fire condition. Um, and they went ahead and confirmed the entrapment. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of chaos after that. Um, they were calling for the next end engine to finish their water supply. They ended up having a hydrant, so we weren't going to need a tanker. Uh, but nobody was answering up. And come to find out, the, the next new engine, which was another paid career station that was uh, staffed with, I think, two guys at the time, uh, ended up being, for some reason, had been left out of service in CAD. I think they had maybe went out of service for a mechanical issue or something earlier in the day, and they, they marked back in service on the radio, but they never actually got updated in the CAD to show them in service and we didn't have computers or anything in the rigs at the time so they didn't really have any way to kind of you know check behind to make sure dispatch had actually put them in service and they didn't so it didn't didn't dispatch them to the call they didn't hear it uh, I guess they didn't have a radio or anything on and so the second in engine was was not responding uh, which was kind of unaware to the first in engine nobody realized it because uh, we we operate on an operations channel so we'll, we'll go in route with a with our main dispatch channel and then we'll switch over to an operations channel. So first in engine went in route, switched over to the operations channel. They never, they never heard that the second in engine never went in route. So there was some confusion there. So our tanker that was 10, 11 miles away ended up being the second piece of fire apparatus on scene. So when we arrived, uh, the first in engine was there and there was two uh, staff medic units that were there that Horry County runs combination department. So they were, they were trained firemen. They had a line at the front door, 
uh, on the front porch, but had not made entry with it yet. Pretty heavy fire condition right at the front door. Um, if you can picture a mobile home, um, this one, unlike a lot of older mobile homes, the, the front door was directly in the center of the home, uh, the center of the A side. And uh, pretty much everything to the right of the front door was burning, act, like openly burning. They had a line in the front door and were starting to darken it down a little bit. Zero visibility through the structure. Um, the first in crew, uh, kind of a, a hodgepodge crew of that initial training officer had found some bunker gear, I think, maybe from the initial driver operator and put on, and uh, maybe one of those medic crews had kind of gotten together and were attempting to do some DES um, on one end of the home, on the end that wasn't actively burning but had zero visibility. And uh, I'm sure if anybody's seen a mobile home before, it's on a crawl space, pretty significant crawl space. This, this one was, and they were having a little bit of trouble getting up in, into the windows. Uh, you know, the rig didn't have any kind of VES ladder or anything like that on it. So it was kind of a slow go to try to VES it. Uh, initially, they weren't able to, I'm, I'm, as I understand it, they tried to make a push in the front door, but weren't really able to with the fire condition at the time. So we got there. There's a inch three-quarter line in the front door. We get assigned search. Uh, me and one of the other guys on the tanker uh, got together for a search crew. My The guy that was driving kind of got left behind a little bit because we only carried uh, two sets of SCBA so, on the tanker. So he was kind of having to scramble around and find an air pack from somewhere. And uh, we go in to do a search. I was lucky to have uh, the guy that was with me, Shane Prince, uh, pro probably one of the best firemen I've ever worked with, and uh, one of my best friends. We worked real well together. We had fought a lot of fire together before that. Uh, so we definitely operated well together. We went in, did the search. Uh, didn't do anything special. I, I don't think we went in, hit a left-hand search, and uh, you know, got into a back hallway, found the mail. He was agonal at the time uh, we had kind of pushed through some pretty extreme conditions at the front door um, which you know with adrenaline and everything going we didn't realize how hot it was at the time but looking back uh, you know we damaged some of our equipment air packs were put out of service things of that nature so as soon as we got to the guy we made the decision to not take him back out through the front door because we you know we weren't sure exactly what the fire condition was doing with that line in the front door at the time so we made a decision to go out a back window we happened to be right by a window where we found him. So we took a window and uh, made a call out, notified command that we had found him and uh, requested some help around to the Charlie side. Uh, eventually, it took took a couple minutes, but eventually we got one of those medics. That ended up being a medic crew that was trying to DES, had uh, kind of heard us yelling out the window and came around to the Charlie side. We passed him out, uh, ended up, in uh, ICU for about a week, a week to 10 days, if I remember correctly, ended up making a full recovery. Uh, had some some decent uh, airway burns and things of that nature, but I ended up making a full recovery. I want to say he was in his 40s, a male. Uh, the mother ended up not making it. She was uh, in the room where the fire started, I think is where they ended up finding her. Um, so she was most likely perished before we before anybody got on scene. Um, but it, it went pretty good. Uh, I, I don't think we did anything special. I tell people this all the time, and I was I was lucky enough at the time. I was teaching recruit schools and teaching certs and things of that nature, and I, and I would teach the recruits, you know. 
I don't think I did any better of a search that time than I did any other time I've ever ran a fire with entrapment or a fire where I've gotten a signed search. Uh, the, the biggest thing was we just, you know, we occupied the space. I think that was the biggest, uh, the biggest thing, you know, it would have been real easy uh, with the fire condition and the smoke condition. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's some people out there that probably would have played the, the survivability profiling game and maybe, maybe wrote them off or, you know, hit it from the outside a little bit longer, maybe vented some more before they made the push in and, and who knows what the outcome would have been. I mean, I think the guy was, was kind of on his last leg when we found him. Uh, so, I, like I said, I think the biggest thing we did was just occupy the space, just made a push, got in there and made it happen. Nice. Now, uh, time is definitely our enemy in this. What was, uh, once you made it through that entry point uh, where the conditions were, were most hostile, what was it like when you got back to the victim? What were like smoke conditions and heat level and stuff? Uh, we had maybe a foot of visibility at the, uh, at the floor level. Um, heat wasn't too crazy uh, down low, obviously. Uh, once we got him and found him, we kind of just got a, we kinda pretty much covered him up. Uh, while we made the decision to uh, go out of the window. So we got to him. Uh, me and Shane probably had a – it seemed like it was a 30-second conversation. I'm sure it was like five seconds uh, where we kind of looked at each other and said, hey, we're not going out that way. We're not going back where, where we just came from. So uh, let's find a window. So he kind of stayed with them. I found a window, took the window out, uh, which luckily it was only about five feet away from him. And uh, he made the call on the radio while I was taking the window uh, that we needed some help around the Charlie side. And then I basically uh, hung out the window, ended up unclicking my regulator so they could hear me. And, uh, you know, started yelling for help. We had a pretty pretty good smoke condition back there. It was chugging out of the window pretty good whenever we passed him out. And then uh, by the time we made it out of the structure, we uh, we kind of finished searching that that one end of the structure real quick and then made it out. Uh, they pretty much had the fire knocked down. Nice. Did you guys get much lift when you took out that window uh, as you were trying to get him out? Uh, not a whole lot. A little bit. We were because we were in a hallway, so we weren't really able to. Uh, you know, I'm sure had we been in a bedroom or something, we probably could have. You know, isolated the room and it probably would have helped us out a little bit, but. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of lift. Um, I honestly, I don't remember ever really getting a good look at the guy uh, until we were actually passing him out of the window. Other than we, you know, we could hear him agonally breathing, and uh, you know, we we you know felt how big he was. He wasn't too big. He probably weighed about 180 pounds, maybe. Um, what? The- yeah, we didn't get a ton of lift. How'd you guys do under window lift? Is that something you guys practice? Uh, was he burned tough to grip or can you talk us through that? Uh, he didn't really have any, any significant burns. So we didn't have a ton of trouble, uh, getting him out. We basically pulled him over, uh, put his feet at the base of the window and, uh, Shane got behind him and we just kind of more or less just manhandled him out of the window, put him, sent him out head first. Nice. So like belly to the sill type thing. Yeah. Nice. You know, uh, we, we had, uh, been in contact a couple of years ago and you told me about this. And I think the biggest takeaway that I've got uh, with this is just not taking the victim out the way you came in, which is really tough to mimic 
in the training scenario because we don't have the same heat and the smoke conditions are just seem lazy and consistent throughout. But uh, uh, kudos to you guys for recognizing the conditions were much worse behind you and uh, recognizing that different exit point. Is there anything else that you want to share that you learned from this one or any, any changes in your department that came after this? Uh, I really, uh, I don't know that there was any big changes, um, you know, department wide. Uh, I've listened to some of the other podcasts. I know you guys talked, kind of talked about the search culture and, and some of these departments. And uh, at the time, this volunteer department, we had a good many. Uh, it's definitely an older, kind of an older crowd at this volunteer small town. There's a lot of older guys that aren't really interior firemen anymore, more like driver operators. But at the time, uh, there was a lot of paid firemen uh, with Horry County and with some other uh, local departments, North Myrtle Beach and Myrtle's Inlet, some places down here that we had some paid guys working or that were volunteering at at, uh, at Loris that were pretty aggressive. Uh, so there, there was a, a decently aggressive uh, search culture with, with Loris at the time. Then Horry County Fire Rescue's big department. We have, I think uh, – probably somewhere between 350 and 400 paid members right now um, operating out of a lot of different stations. And there's everything from kind of uh, urban high rise settings all the way down to the rural settings like we ran this fire in. And, and uh, honestly, the soul, the search culture kind of, kind of varies, uh, you know, from one end of the department to the other and from shift to shift and from station to station. But, uh, you know, I, I was blessed that night to have, uh, to have some other aggressive firemen on scene with me um, to where, you know, definitely made it easier to uh, make that decision to, to make a push and, and get in there and make something happen. Nice. Well, Michael, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story today. Uh, thanks to the listeners for uh, tuning in today. Uh, sometimes I know our audio quality isn't always the best, but uh, we're not sitting in the studio recording these things that we're busy firemen and uh, fathers and, and, and all that. So we just try to, to squeeze it in when we can. So if you're on the scene of a structure fire with the yeah, rescue, no Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, pre I definitely appreciate what you guys are doing with this thing. Yeah. Uh, if you're on the scene of a structure fire with a rescue or assist with a dead or a live civilian, help us capture our wins and specific details that improve our fire, our rescue and search across the nation. Fill out one survey per victim at www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Also, you can join the Facebook group Firefighter Rescue Survey, where hundreds of rescues are being recorded monthly. If you'd like to share your story on the Grabs uh, podcast, contact Grant Schwalbe. That's me. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Residential Primary Search, Making the Grab, or uh, just send me a message, 239-898-0843. Uh, you can get a hold of Justin McWilliams or Nick Ledeen, and uh, all three of us are trying to record as many of these as we can. So until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in.